podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Today on Barca Talk, Malcolm could be leaving for England and Javier Tebas is a vocal right-wing supporter. We're talking about Copa del Rey and no La Liga this week. Hopefully, we won three points from Leganes on Sunday. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barca Talk. This is Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me from Madrid, Spain, as always, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. What are you doing this weekend? What am I doing this weekend? (laughs) Well, once all the fires are put out, and once every question, dumb or not dumb, gets answered going to have a wedding ceremony. Well, very nice, very nice, you know. I'm uh I'm really happy for you and Megan for this weekend. You know, last year when you told me, I didn't know you that well enough and I and I think my reaction wasn't as happy and joyous for you two. But now that I feel like I've known you more, I'm very excited for both of you for this weekend and I know it's going to be a great time. Yeah, and so we're going to have a a ceremony with a an officiant. Uh he's but the upside is he he's not ordained in any way because he doesn't have to be because we're actually already married. We've been married for 14 months. So we, we've we written a little script for him, and it's going to make you know a couple of jokes about how you know 14 months is the perfect time to renew your vows. And uh, I don't mind saying this because by the time anyone hears this, it will have already happened. So I'm not letting anything out of the bag here. Um, but so we're going to have a ceremony as if we were getting married uh, with certain adjustments made. Uh, and then we're just going to have a big party. And it's going to be a lot of fun. But, yeah, in these last few days in the run-up, it's just uh, so many questions, so many things to do. You know, we're doing and planning this all ourselves with the help of our friends and our family, of course. But we don't have the money to hire a wedding planner, for example. So we're doing a lot of things on our own. So you're the part-time wedding planner, basically. Well, Megan is the three-quarter-time <laughs> wedding planner, and I'm like a quarter-time wedding planner. Gotcha. Actually, she, she's done like 90-plus percent <laughs> of the planning. I made place cards today and table table labels and, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah, but just a yeah. couple, couple of like nightmare things are happening, but I, I suppose that's par for the course. All in all, it's been it's been pretty pretty painless, at least to me, because again, Megan did most of it uh, yeah. without me even knowing. So for all I know, she was tearing her hair out, and uh, <laughs> and I was just kicking it in the living room watching Barcelona play. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be all worth it. I'm sure it's going to be a great time on Saturday. So again, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I'm I'm going to be jealous because I know that everyone's going to be having a good time there in San Francisco before your wedding. Yeah, but then we're going to have our honeymoon in April in Spain with you. So you get to, you know, you can get to you could buy me a caña then, and uh, we'll celebrate together in April. I'm only going to buy you one Kanye. No, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I totally get it. <laughs> that's perfectly. Yes, it'll be awesome in April. We can, you know, what are we at? Like uh, 78 days, I think it is in counting. So yeah, that's coming. That's coming up soon. So I'm really excited for that as well. Yeah, me too. Now uh, we should transition and talk about Barcelona, even though this will be a somewhat abbreviated episode because we won't be talking about the Leganes match again. Uh, because of the whole wedding situation, we we just can't. We just don't have the resources to get that match covered. So we're doing this Thursday right after that Copa del Rey match. We will talk about that. And we do have a couple of news items to get into. But before that, guys, all you guys out there, 
Remember, Valentine's Day is coming. It's coming very quickly. It'll come quicker than you think. So why not give your wife or your girlfriend something a little different, a little maybe romantic? And of course, I'm talking about a luxury gift service called Enclosed that delivers designer lingerie to the special woman in your life month after month. So it's like beer of the month, but instead of beer, she gets ultra high-end lingerie. And when we say ultra high-end, we're talking Primo lingerie. We've been looking at the site. It is seriously high-end stuff. Now, Enclosed was designed specifically to help you guys find gifts for the special women in your lives, and I am not talking about your mother. Enclosed is all about helping you make her happy, and it's effortless to you. Every month, Enclosed sends your wife or girlfriend a custom curated lingerie gift selected just for your lady, and they back up that gift with a 100% size guarantee so you never have to worry about fit. So come on. Join more than 30,000 couples that love Enclosed, and we'll give you a little gift. Right now, you can get $35 off your Enclosed gift. Just go to EnclosedLingerie.com. We also have a link in the description of this episode, but that's E-N-C-L-O-S-E-D, Lingerie.com. And enter the code BARSATALK at checkout to get $35 off any Enclosed multi-month gift. Again, that code is BARSATALK, all one word. Don't use this idea, just a normal letter letter C in Barca, to get $35 off any multi-month gift. Give her something that reflects and deepens that connection between the two of you. That's enclosedlingerie.com with the code BARSATALK. $35 off the best gift ever. All right, so we have news to discuss. We have two interesting news items. We do. The first thing is the Malcolm rumor, Brian. Malcolm? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been on fire this weekend. So or this week actually here. Gotta in put him out. I know we got to put him out. But uh, <laughs> basically, uh, Tottenham is showing severe interest in Malcolm because Harry Kane just got injured over the weekend, or maybe I think two weekends ago, and he's going to be out for a while. And so Tottenham has called Barcelona to get interest to see how much it's going to cost. And also, Valverde basically told Malcolm's people as well that he will not get that much playing time for the rest of the season. So he said if he has a good offer, then he should take it and leave. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I thought Valverde wanted him. I know, right? Like, what what happened? Because that kind of sounds like an invitation to leave. (laughs) It does. (laughs) I I mean, I'm not great at reading social cues or reading, you know, between the lines and subtext. But that sounds to me like maybe Valverde doesn't feel like he needs Malcolm there at all. Yeah. And, you know, originally I thought he wanted him. But, I, you know, from reading some of the news and stuff, it looks like the board kind of forced Malcolm on Valverde. Mm. But again, since Munir just left, we don't have a viable backup for Suarez. And so that kind of creates that problem. Now, if Malcolm leaves, I was reading some other things that they're thinking of bringing Carlos Vela, who is basically an over-the-hill striker who retired from Real Sociedad last year. He's playing for an L.A., I guess, Los Angeles. And that's who they want to basically sign. And I, I, it's such a nightmare if they do that because Malcolm is perfect, man. He just – just give him some spot starts. Let him find his way. He want, He does not want to go because the, the latest thing I just saw on Twitter was basically him saying that he wants to stay and fight for his spot. So, And I think he should. Yeah. Because you know, you only get – I mean, most people, at least, will only get one chance to play for Barcelona. And I don't think he's really been given an honest chance yet. And we don't know what's going to happen with Valverde. 
I mean, honestly, if he doesn't stick around another year, Malcolm could have a whole new life with a new manager. So and and Tottenham, you know, like, is that really like the club for him? Is that the style for him? Is that the team for him? I don't think so. Yeah, it's a good point. And the other thing, you know, it's it's like you said, he hasn't had that many opportunities. But again, he's really young and he wasn't supposed to be a starter. Right. He was supposed to get some minutes here and there to spell Suarez or Messi, you know, for a Copa del Rey match like tonight. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, it would have been great if he would, he'd have played tonight. <laughs> like, there's no, like for example, there was no reason for Suarez to be playing tonight. You know, just let Malcolm get those minutes, and Malcolm could be the future number nine for us. You know, we don't know what he can bring and what his talent is if he doesn't get enough time. Now, there's also another rumor, Brian, that um, Barcelona is interested in the striker from Girona, Sturani. I think he's over Hawaiian. I think if they'd let Malcolm go, then I think that would be a good fit because he kind of fits the mold of a Suarez. He's kind of physical. He's had really good success so far in the season. I think he has like 10 goals or eight goals, something like this. And I think he would be a good substitute. But if you're Stuarni and you are the starter playing every minute for Girona, which I mean, I know FC Barcelona is the club, but he's basically not going to be playing that, that much at all. I mean, he's going to be along for the ride. He's going to help, you know, spell Suarez maybe three games for the rest of the season because you know how Valverde wants to run Suarez into the ground, just like Rakitic. Yeah. And so, exactly. So we'll see what kind of decision or what kind of transfer or what will happen with the saga. Yeah, I, I could see Stuani, but yeah, like you mentioned, if I were Stuani and I were starting every match for Girona and, you know, he has, aside from um, Messi and Suarez, he's like one of the top goal scorers in La Liga. He's not going to play hardly at all. He's barely going to score at all. He's having a good year at Girona. Why not just do that? And also with Copa America coming, he needs to show, you know, that he's playing and on, on top form so he can be playing for his national team as well. Exactly. So that's coming up as well. So That's a good point. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Now... This is the the other thing that we we're going to talk about today. This one you just told me about today, and really, it kind of blew my mind. I just, I can't believe how, how, uh, I don't know, mainstream or uh, how much spotlight a lot of far right wing talk is becoming. I mean, it's spreading throughout the world, man. You know, like in Brazil, here, you yeah. know, it's 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 pretty crazy. But what we're talking about is. Tevis, the president of La Liga, was interviewed yesterday in uh, Radio Cope. And, you know, he always comes on the radio and he always says controversial things because he just doesn't care. You know, he doesn't care about his political views being out there. He doesn't care about how he supports Real Madrid. And, you know, the journalists will ask him questions. And obviously, in the beginning of the interview, Brian, they asked him some softball questions. You know, like, have you talked to Florentino about VAR? What do you think of Madrid's campaign this season? And it started off normal, right? And then they started talking about politics, okay? Which is, you know, in, in the U.S., for example, sports and politics, you know, anytime they touch lately, it's a huge, you know, fire sale basically, right? Just, <laughs> everyone goes crazy for it, right? Yeah. But here in Spain, it's very just out there. It, you know, Tebas is not shy about his political beliefs and the journalist or the, the radio talk show host asked him, you know, if he would support the political party Vox, which is this new extreme right, um, you know, pro man, anti-woman <laughs> uh, political party. And he said, and yeah, anti-immigrant and Muslim and exactly <laughs> anti-immigrant among other things. Right. Yeah. And he said, yeah, I would vote for them because I think Spain needs a change. You know, <laughs> and if you watch the video, there's a woman behind him that just rolls her eyes and it's fantastic. And that's what that's how I found this interview because I saw it all over Twitter today. 
about this meme. And I was like, what's going on? And I just kind of researched. And this was this was the first controversial thought that he had to, to say in this interview. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, I had pulled a quote from this interview that uh, that I thought summed it up. It was actually uh, this was in the Independent and it was the last quote in their article from him. But I think the most inflammatory he says, if extreme right means to defend the unity of Spain, life, and the Catholic way of life, I am in that group, and I continue to think the same as when I was in Fuerza Nueva, which was another uh, sort of right uh, political party that he was uh, involved in um, years ago, and he was very vocal about. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, this is, it. you know, imagine the NFL commissioner coming out and just completely just putting his politics and not caring how it's going to move the needle in the U S you know, he's very careful. You know, the commissioners are very careful about not really, you know, demonstrating what their political beliefs are here, but in Spain, it's the opposite. And the other thing that came up of this is the idea of censorship for the sideline reporters and also the reporters in the mixed zone after the match. And basically the reporter asked him, you know, do you censor, do you send a memo to these reporters to not ask certain questions? And he said, yeah. Wow. He basically flat out just said, yes, yeah, censorship is what I do. He said, you're only allowed to ask news about the match. And the reporter asked him, you know, what if we want to ask him football news? He said, no, just about the match. He says, if you're a sideline reporter on a La Liga channel and you ask news about outside of football or something controversial, you will not be asked back. Yeah, that's yeah. that is straight up censorship. Correct. Yeah. So that's what he was doing yesterday at five in the afternoon. Man. <laughs> you know, you know, just the other day, I uh, I had to correct someone who, you know, didn't know any better and didn't mean anything by it, but uh, who mistakenly referred to our club as Barcelona CF, which is not only incorrect, you know, but it's also that's like a big no, no, <laughs> because as we all know. Uh, the club were forced to change their name to Barcelona Club de Football under Franco. And mm-hmm. before and since Franco, they've always been Football Club Barcelona, right? So I had to correct this person like, yeah, we can't we can't call them that. We, <laughs> we have to mm-hmm. – we really need to call them FC Barcelona. And the reason I'm telling you this is uh, just because it's like it's – I guess it's really easy to forget in 40 years or something uh, just – how toxic um, a lot of those ideas were to the country and just the, you know, the fascism, the, the, the dictatorship, the, just the, the, the heavy handedness, the strongman leaders. I don't see how that's any, I don't see how that's good at all. Those are, and those are my politics. Now, if you bring it back into sport, I, it's, it is odd to me, you know, being an American, hearing a sporting commissioner being so politically vocal. But I I also understand that that's actually very normal in Spain. It is. It's very normal. But you have a good point, you know. And I guess for me, it's it's not so much about his political views, but it's just the arrogance and the casual tone that he just speaks. And, you know, there's a huge problem here in Spain with misogyny. And, you know, it starts with the higher ups. You know, we saw a couple of weeks ago in Atletico Madrid, the president was asked about, I think, the contract extension of one of the players and the president said, uh, first of all, I'm not answering your question because you're a woman. And second of all, never ask a man about contract situations wow. Like in the press conference. You know, this is like 2018. Yeah. So, again, you know, when are these old guys going to die, essentially, you know, so that there's some sort of turnover, you know, because, 
you know, these guys are making so much money. He's in charge of the second biggest football league in the world that generates a lot of money, you know. And as we've talked about throughout the podcast, you know, if they had someone that had more vision, a younger person that maybe wasn't so political either way, the league could even expand even more, right? And it's kind of been at a stalemate because of Tebas. And yes, he has given these clubs money. They're getting more money through TV and all these things. But at the same time, just the idea that he is so pro Real Madrid, it's just, it's a crazy thought to me that that's how it goes. And you know, behind the scenes, there's a lot of, you know, backhand handshakes going on behind there with him in Real Madrid. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, but luckily, there's VAR now. <laughs> and they can't hide. Can't hide. That, <laughs> can't is, hide true. Anymore. that is true. I mean, again, true. it's it's still not perfectly applied, but that's yeah. that's another issue entirely. Yeah. So if if you have the chance, check it out. Like we um, we read it on the Independent. Obviously, there's a Spanish version that has question by question, but it's just it's just crazy. Again, like I said, the arrogance and his casual tone during the interview is just it's it's just bizarre. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, let's turn for a moment to the Barca women and to uh, bring us up to date with that is our Barca women correspondent, Michelle Taylor. There's just one game to tell you about in this episode, and it was a biggie, an away game against Levante. Heading into the match, Barca was only three points ahead. A loss here meant that the two teams would be sitting in second equal position on the table and that Barca would fall four points behind Atleti Madrid. Should Barca lose the Liga again to Atleti this season, it would be a double disaster to also lose out the Champions League qualification to Levante for next year. In the first half of the season when Barca played Levante at home, the game finished as a nil-all draw. That it finished on equal footing wasn't the surprise, but that no goals were scored was a puzzle when considering all the firepower that the teams have in their attacks. However, both sides had this in common this season. All the elements to be dominating teams are there, but the execution is lacking, and it appears to be more of a psychological issue because both teams are stacked with talent. The game started out as expected, Levante defending heavily and relying on counter-attacks to get the ball forward, and that proved to be quite an effective method for them as they have a very dangerous front line in Charlene Corral and Sonia Bermudez with Jessica Silva on the wing. The most dangerous play came when Sonia got the ball in the middle of the pitch and eluded Andrea Pereira and Mappy Leon. Thankfully, Sandra Panos was quickly out to kick the ball away. It's not unusual for opposing goalkeepers to have partidazos against Barca, and Andrea Pororuzzo was having the best game of her season. The Romanian international was everywhere, and the Barca attack was having no success in getting the ball past her. Meanwhile, down the other end of the pitch, our defence was having a tough workout, as the Levante attack was proving hard to contain. Even our veteran defender Mata Torajon was being turned inside out by Onabatie. There's no doubt that the talented young left-back and former La Masia player will be a senior Spanish international representative in the coming years. Half-time arrived with no goal for either team, and it was clear that Barca was going to have to dig very deep to get a positive result here. In the first half, Lika Martins was being contained and held out wide on our left wing. For all her ability and talent, Lika is still struggling to make an impact against tighter Spanish defences, To actually bear the game and watch her play is mind-boggling. She's amazing at what she can do. But the end result that we all want, that is, the ball in the net, isn't coming easy for the Dutch woman this season. As the second half progressed, Lika started to make more of an impact, now that the Levante players were starting to get tired. In the 65th minute, she unleashed a strong shot on goal that Andrea Paraluza managed to parry away, but the ball rebounded out to Mariana Caldente, who steadied and slotted the goal home. Goal! 
Now we had a nervous 25 minutes to defend against a team of angry frogs, trying desperately to find the equaliser, but Barca held strong and the referee's final whistle was music to our ears. The Barca team celebrated as if it had won a trophy. There were hugs, some tears, and a lot of smiles and laughter. The players certainly didn't hold back in showing their feelings. For Eurus Cortez, it's a stellar start to his new season as head coach. After only one game in charge, it's evident that there's new energy around the team. Whether it's because of Cortez or due to Sanchez no longer being there remains to be seen, perhaps a bit of both. The Liga is now on a two-week break due to international duties, and Cortes has 12 less players at practice sessions. Andresa Alves has made the long trip home to attend a Brazil training camp, and Tony Dugan is with England at a training camp in Qatar. Also earning a lot of emails is Lika Martins. The Netherlands has travelled to Cape Town to play against South Africa. Another nine players are in the Spanish squad. Sandra Panos, Marta Torajon, Andrea Pereira, Mapi Leon, Leila Wahabi, Vicky Lasada, Aitana Bomati, Alexia Puteas, and Mariano Caldente. It would have been 10 players, but Patrick Guajardo is out with a lower back injury. Spain plays Belgium and the USA as the team prepares for the World Cup in July. When the Liga starts again, the first game will be at home against Athletic Club de Bilbao on January the 27th. We'll need to be on our toes from the get-go. Visca Barca e Forza Barca Femini. That was Michelle Taylor. Follow at Barca Women on Twitter for regular news and updates on the women's team. All right, let's talk about Copa del Rey since it's the only competition that we're going to talk about this week. Before we talk about the Barcelona match, second leg against Levante, I do want to give some props, speaking of Girona, to Girona because they upset Atletico and knocked them out of the tournament. Both their legs were draws, but Girona got three away goals in the second leg to knock out Atletico, of all people. Atletico, I think, in the first away match, I think they didn't bring their strongest. And again, you see what happens. And, you know, Atletico is not as deep as Barcelona or quote-unquote Madrid is usually. And you can see just, you know, when they insert some of their players, they do struggle a little bit. So, but again, they're they're mainly focused on Champions League now and La Liga. They're going to give us a headache now that they're out of this competition they can focus on too. Yeah, and they will definitely be well, they're currently the only team that we have to worry about at all in La Liga even though we uh, we have I mean 5 points is not a big lead with this much season to play. A lot can happen. So we really do have to be aware of them and now that they're out of the Copa just like you said they're going to be working that much harder for the league. And I mean Champions League, you know, it's that's that's a tough one. No matter who you are. I don't care who you are. It's 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 tough. I don't know what my yeah, point I mean, was that, there. That, sorry. sorry. <laughs> what point was I trying to make? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe none. Champions League is hard. It is. It is. But you know that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no hot take here. I'm, keep hot this. Takes. I'm keeping this in, by the way. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, they, they're they solely concentrated on La Liga first. I mean, that's what their, their chase is, like you said, five points and then Obviously, Champions League, they're going to be a formidable point because they're basically the only team that can really, you can really hang their hat on defense. You know, they're such a strong team with defense, and that's going to carry them a long way in the Champions League. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about our match. So, in the first leg against Levante, we lost one to two in Levante, in Valencia. And then, second leg, we win three nothing to, you know, go forward in the tournament. What changed? <laughs> <laughs> what do you 
I mean, when you what was let the me difference? Ask you, you think? Yeah, let me let me ask you this: When you saw the lineup, did you have a shadow of a doubt that we weren't going to win this match? None. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, I mean, when you've got Messi starting and Coutinho and Dembele, yeah, and also Longlet. That's the other thing for me, yeah. right? Because you know, uh, as we'll talk about in a second with Chumi, but again. Um, we have talked about our theories of how this Copa del Rey should be played with our youngsters. You know, we, as Barca fans, we always have this fantasy of La Masia players having the pipeline to the senior team. And I think this competition should be that. Now, obviously Valverde wants to win this competition. So he put his strongest team and that's fine, but I would have been fine with the same 11 from last week. I mean, I, you know, ride or die with them. Yeah. Well, at least Busquets was off. Exactly. Uh, Rakitic, too. Oh, no, he wasn't. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. (laughs) He had that one day off last week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But as soon as I saw this lineup, you know, I I did not, you know, I had 100% confidence we were going to win and win by a lot, you know, because we were going to come at them. And from the first two minutes, we were we are attacking them instantly. So poor Levante, they, they didn't know what was coming. Yeah. Now, I do think that there were a couple of uh, good choices as far as the lineup not counting the whole front line um, because basically Valverde is just saying, I'm going to stack this deck. Um, I thought that putting Murillo in was good because I, he he did a good job last week. And this is a, probably the tournament that he's going to see the most minutes in. So I thought he did a good job again. Putting him with Longley especially gave us a lot more uh, solid defense. So I was happy about that. And then his substitutions at least showed an awareness of trying to do a little bit of rotation. You know, Alba, he put Sergi Roberto in for Alba, you know, and that's only been tried once, one other time this season where when he put Vermal in at left back, you know, just put someone in who was completely unprepared for it. So for me, I, you know, long leg was the one is the keystone for me because in the first leg, he stabilized the defense and having him here, you knew that Valverde didn't want to take any chances. And sure enough, he definitely stabilized the defense. And like you said, Alba getting the rotation off and Sergio Roberto coming in, I think that was good. And then also, you know, just like we saw in the last match, how Valverde is rotating Coutinho and they brought in Suarez and took out Coutinho. Maybe he's going to do that for the rest of the season, just kind of rotate those four guys up top. What do you think? Do you think he's going to do that going forward? No, I do think we are going to see more of that. I also think that if Malcolm goes, because you were mentioning if Malcolm goes, who's actually going to back up Suarez? And I think that we'll we'll see more Coutinho, Messi, Dembele. We'll see more of Denny Suarez being played up front, which would be amazing for Denny Suarez. I'm not sure if it's the best way to go. But yeah, I do think we are going to start seeing more of these rotations. That's a good point because I didn't think of that because in the beginning of the match, you know, Messi was basically holding the Ford up the center. He did come back for the ball, but he was holding that point. And with those three guys, you know, whoever the, the three of the four is playing, it's always going to be a strong attacking three. So for me, I think that's a that's a good plan if, that if he does do that, because that'll just keep everyone fresh going forward. And especially with these the tough schedule that we have coming up. But again, when I like when I saw the schedule, I knew for sure we were going to win big just because I knew we were fresh playing at home. The crowd was into it. I don't know if you noticed that at the, on the on your telecast, but the crowd was definitely in it more and i don't know if because the copa del rey matches are usually cheaper 
So more um, children go, and it's just kind of that more lively environment. Yeah, but it was also a late game, so by the end of the match, there was almost nobody there. <laughs> they all had to go to school. Yeah, but I did, <laughs> I did notice how excited they were. And yeah. there were two things. I thought really Coutinho really is starting to get back you know, his mojo. I thought he looked fantastic in this game. He did. He's starting to get it back. Um, he didn't lose the ball as often as he did last week. That's the first thing. The second thing, the moves that he did, they actually worked. Yeah. So that's another good thing, right? So when he was trying to take people one-on-one, that worked. He had better passing. He was looking for a shot. And when he was looking for a shot, that started to open up more holes for passing on the other end. And that's what they did. They started distributing the ball pretty well. So like you said, Coutinho had a really good match. And again, it's amazing, Brian, what playing time does for your confidence. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, also, um, I was happy to see Arthur play the full 90, for one thing. But also, there were a couple of moments, uh, the, these two opportunities where he took these shots from distance. And neither of them were especially good. Neither went in. They weren't especially threatening. But I do think that Arthur should be looking for those opportunities to shoot from distance. Because I always like that threat to be there. I don't want us to be doing the same thing. I mean, you've brought this up many, many times. Uh, we don't want them to be doing the same thing every time they're going forward. We want to be able to surprise the defense, surprise our opponent, so that we can you know, keep them on a swivel a little bit more. So if they have the threat of those shots coming in from outside of the box, kind of like Rakitic used to do, but he hasn't done so much lately, I say fire away, Arthur. Yeah, I think I was really impressed with Arthur today more than usual. And I think... Because he showed his level of the way he's able to shield the ball. Like, we know, have we talked about the Javi pirouette, you know? How many times did he do that in this match? And he did it with such ease, you know? And also, he was taking more chances, like you said, with the shots. And I like that. You know, I always like long-distance shots just to kind of give the defense something else to think about. And I think that's, that's key. And on the second shot, he did come a little bit closer. The first one was way off. But again, I think when he's in there in our midfield, he helps keep the possession tight in those close quarters and he doesn't lose the ball as often. Now, on the other hand, Dembele, you know, he did have a good performance, but man, how many balls did he lose on those passes, man? It's just, he just gets lazy sometimes, you know, and he just like, I'm just going to try this pass if it goes, whatever. Yeah. And the first half he did like four of these passes. You're just like, no man, there's a guy right there. But he, he basically came up with two great scoring opportunities. Yeah. And both of them were, uh, were fluky in one way or another. That's the other thing, the, because the first one, the 30-minute uh, the goal, Messi wins the ball, he drives in, he lays it off for Dembele, Cavaco comes in to try to clear, but he winds up essentially, I mean, I think it probably should have been called an own goal in some ways, mm. but he, he goes in to clear and he puts it into the goal off of Dembele's shin. Not that Dembele wasn't involved and he wasn't integral to it, but it was, uh, it was a kind of a fluke situation. I think, you know, had Cabaco not come in, Dembele would have put it away anyway. Yeah, it's a good point. It should have been an own goal, but again, you know, Dembele created that chance just like he planned it off his shin, you know? Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> he celebrated like, yeah, that was oh, yeah. exactly oh, yeah. what, my, oh, yeah. what my plan was. <laughs> But well, you know how, like in these in these matches, sometimes you just get these lucky goals to get the momentum starting. That's exactly what happened. I mean, we were driving from the first second minute or so, and Dembele was looking dangerous. And man, again, he is, you know, when he gets that that pace going, he is so formidable and so scary for the defense because not only can he shoot with both feet, but he's in such tune with Messi now. He reads Messi really well, and Messi 
gives him perfect balls. And we saw in that first goal, you know, obviously with the shin, but Dembele was in perfect position for the scoring opportunity. Well, and then, so of course we score a goal, but instead of just chilling out and maxing and relaxing for a few minutes, like we normally do, very next minute, we get another goal, another one for Dembele, again, Messi with the ball for him. And the way that the fact that Messi held up the ball for just a second to make sure Dembele was onside, uh, I thought was great. He puts the ball in, and then Dembele skates past the goalkeeper, and his shot actually was poorly hit. I mean, the, actually, <laughs> that, I want to say retroactively, I think is the ham foot of the year so far. Because it, <laughs> it, well, it was a ham foot, but he scored a goal. <laughs> he did. You should tag it, yeah. right, so he can remember. So. <laughs> No, it's funny because to me, it looked like he was trying to do a pass, half pass, kind of an undecisive shot type of thing. And the way he hit the ball, it like it bounced first and did kind of almost a cue shot rolling past the goalkeeper. You know what I'm saying? And if you watch it in slow motion, it's kind of funny because he's looking back and you can see the backspin of the ball and both the defender and goalkeeper couldn't get to it. So, hey, he he was there again and we were up to nothing. And of course, I knew from, you know, I. After the first goal, I knew, yes, we, we got this in the bag. But again, Dembele's presence and his attacking prowess in this match just can't be denied. You know, he's just, he's a magical player. That's why we paid so much money for him. Yeah. All right. Now, I've been thinking this. Um, I was I was thinking while I was watching this game, Messi didn't look so great. And now as I look at the, you know, the facts, like, okay, so he had the assist on both of Dembele's goals. He scored a third goal himself. And I still hear myself in my mind thinking, yeah, but apart from that, (laughs) (laughs) he just he didn't look like messy brilliant for all 90 minutes, I guess, is the thing. Like he 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 did seem to be, you know, playing on a Thursday late on a Thursday in a Copa del Rey match a little bit at times. It's one of those things that, yes, he didn't look completely brilliant the whole match, but he didn't have to be either. Clearly, you (laughs) you know, yeah, exactly. The other thing, too, is, you know. He set up Coutinho and Dembele often enough that he was letting them to try to score a goal as well. He was distributing really well, but obviously there was a couple times where he was at the top of the box, and I think he tried to shoot and got blocked a couple times and this and that. But again, like you said, can't argue two assists in the goal and the second and the, his goal. I mean, you know how I love chip goals. Oh yeah, and how fast it happened. I mean, he got the ball, he shook, you know, he held the guy off. And then the keeper came and he hit a, not even a real chip. It's just kind of around him in a way. Yeah. And, you know, just a clinical finish. I mean, that is so hard to do because your your first instinct as a striker is just to kick it low or just kick it, you know, especially when you're out of balance like that. And to have the know-how just to chip it, that's like maybe your fourth option. And that's if you have time, Brian, not with a guy bearing on you on the back and a guy coming on you in front. So that's why, to me, it was such an impressive goal. And again, Game set Guillermo on that one. Yeah, yeah, and there was that earlier, uh, that earlier chance where he made a well, it was a great shot, but then it was a great save to uh, deflect it. Um, I, I thought Fernandez closed up his legs real quick, did a hockey save and saved it. That was, but that was a good shot. Uh, he should have done that. But it's, I mean, it's so funny how how Messi changes your perspective on everything. Like you, because we've seen him for so many years now be so incredible that when he's like slightly less than that you're like oh Messi's having a bad day and he I thought I think he did have kind of like for him a bad day and he still gets two assists and a goal it's interesting because I wouldn't I wouldn't classify as a bad day I would just say like it's a comfortable 
Like he was a comfortable six. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. No, that's that's yeah, that's yeah. more that's correct. That's more correct. Right. Like he didn't he didn't want to get injured, right? And he did enough to put his, you know, fingerprints in the game, but also he didn't exert himself as much. You know, if we had an energy bar, you know, seeing his energy, probably he still could play another ninety minutes, probably. I mean probably yeah. he didn't like you said, you know, like you did, like you said, it's a Thursday night Copa del Rey. He did enough. Yeah, you know he, he assisted a goal and also probably didn't exert himself too much in the match. But it is true, Brian. You know we get we get spoiled. You know with with how many great performances you can think of that he's done clutch performances, and you know we didn't need him so much, but he did enough and we still got the victory three nothing. I mean, when we roll out this strong eleven, Brian, we are freaking good. Yeah, we're you know? fierce. <laughs> Primo football fierce. Exactly. I mean, we can score goals. Our defense holds it. And we, you know, when we have a great midfield playing together like that, we keep the possession and we just, we can just make goals left and right. Yeah. And, you know, I also don't want to get injured. You know what I do? I don't play professional football. That's, <laughs> that's the only reason why I don't is because I don't want to get injured. It's not because I have very little athleticism or when I was a kid, I had zero interest in playing soccer or because I'm 41 years old now and my knees make a scraping sound when I bend. Oh, that's-, that's that's a new thing. <laughs> that's not why. <laughs> it's because I don't want to get injured. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's the thing about this match. This would seem to put Barcelona into the next round of the cup, but an official complaint was filed by Levante over the fielding of Chumi in the first leg that actually could see Barcelona expelled from the tournament because the complaint argues that Chumi uh, had earned a yellow card suspension in Segunda B. He had just gotten his fifth yellow card earlier uh, against Castellón the Sunday prior to that first leg match. And so they argue that he should have not been eligible. He should have been serving out that suspension. So, yes, it was a great result, and we saw some great plays from all of our favorite guys, but because of this kid, well, it's not his fault. It's, it's potential that this could have all been for nothing. I mean, we're going to see tomorrow, right? Because I think the drawing for the next round is tomorrow. So they're going to have to decide in the morning. And you know how Spanish people love doing things early in the morning. So, <laughs> Yeah, could, the timing alone could... Uh... Could be a problem. And actually, the the fact, because there's a 48-hour window after the final whistle to file any complaints, and apparently Mm -hmm. Levante didn't do that. So it might just get thrown out on that technicality anyway, although there is precedent for to, you know, to allow it. And it's, I mean, it's a whole annoying legal thing. But I I I hope that we get to just stay in. I mean, God, you should have been thanking us for putting for playing Chumi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But not only that, but I think, like you said, if it got past the 48 hours, that'll be enough for them to just throw it out, especially since Barcelona won tonight. And I just, you know, they want Barcelona to continue the Copa del Rey because that helps with their their ratings. So thank God Tevez is not in charge of the decision because you know how that would have been ruled. So, um, you know, the, the Spanish Federation is in charge of the Copa del Rey. And so I personally think it, it'll just be swept under the rug just because like you said if it was past that 48 hours that'll give them you know they'll be like look you didn't do it in the 48 hours it's it's dismissed thank yeah. you it'll all just go away yeah <laughs> like the last 45 minutes of your life have listening to this podcast <laughs> 30 to 45 i'm not sure how long it's gonna be but uh anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna sign off we should we should both do it and yep. uh 
And then I, I got to go pack because I have an early flight tomorrow morning. Nice. <laughs> well, congratulations again. Have a great weekend. And I will talk to you next week, my friend. Yes. And we'll, the rest of you will hear from us again next week. Special thanks to Michelle Taylor this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. We can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca. Podcast Network.